Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. All right, can you see me? Can you hear me? Hello. I can see you. Can you see me? I can see you. I can hear you. Perfect. All right, we, we are good. Um, cheers to you. Let's go ahead and do this thing. But the first thing I have to do is get through a quick ad read. I apologize. It's just the way that, you know, this podcast works. So if you could just chill out for one second there, I appreciate it. This episode of 39 Minute Conversations is not officially presented by Yoga with Adrian. It's the new year and those of us who fucked up the last year or two, like myself, are in a desperate race to fix everything about ourselves in one fell swoop that's definitely not destined for failure. And one of the good habits I'm trying to get back into is a daily yoga practice. But am I leaving my apartment, going out into the world, taking classes, meeting new people, forming in-person connections? Absolutely not. I will stick with the unhealthy parasocial relationship that I formed during the height of the pandemic with my YouTube yoga teacher. Thank you very much. And all this month, Yoga with Adrienne is releasing a new video every day for free on her YouTube channel and on her app, Find What Feels Good. And on her app, there's a huge library of yoga videos, Pilates, mindful meditation, and more. Plenty of ways to start the new year off right and then feel bad about abandoning completely as the year wears on and we inevitably become the worst versions of ourselves once again. But for now, join me in pretending like these new healthy habits are forever with Yoga with Adrian. And then we pause real fast to to show that the ad has ended. And then, hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold, and this is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new ones. But I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. Last month, the 2022 Blacklist was announced, the annual list of the best unproduced feature screenplays of the year. And for the month of January, it is my honor to use this podcast to feature writers from this year's Blacklist. And my guest today is the very talented writer of Colors of Authority, an intense drama about corruption in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, which is based on a true story. He is also an actor who has appeared in shows like Heart of Dixie, Castle, The Closer, and one of my personal favorite shows, Veronica Mars, Kevin Sheridan. Hello. Hey, man. Thank you for doing this, man. It's good to see you. Thank you. You're you're very good at this. Okay, that's all the time we have. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah. This is the very last episode. I've been waiting for a compliment. Uh, thank you. Is that, your, is that your first compliment? I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> um, no, I've gotten them before, but that one just came right off the bat and felt so nice that I almost feel like ending the episode right now. Well, if you want to, you know. No, no, I want to talk to you. And also, you look so officious with like the like that's a professional mic, like that's the real deal. Like there's I, nothing around. Yeah, I bought. Uh, I had a cheaper one, and then uh, it went out on me during an episode. And I decided if I was going to buy a new one, I was going to go for the real thing. And it feels, it makes me feel professional. Mm-hmm. No, it, it feels makes fancy. Me professional too. Oh my God. Thank you. If this only weren't just an audio medium and people could see just how professional I look. And, and are the- we not seeing us? Are we not being, are we not being filmed too? Or is it just- I mean, the video is being recorded. There will be some, some social media clips, some YouTube clips, but not the full episode. um but yeah um shirt off and get comfortable yeah go ahead 
<laughs> Take your shirt off, man. Chill out. It's good. All right, Kevin. A lot of the guests that I've had in this podcast so far, I knew in the pre-pandemic world. And, you know, I'm usually starting out by asking, you know, what they've been up to since I last saw them before I became a total shut-in. Uh, but you and I, we've only been friends. Are you a total shut-in? Are you I'm, really a total shut-in or are you just saying that? I am less of a shut-in than I used to be, but more of a shut-in than probably most people uh, at this point. I don't, I don't go out a ton. I am not, you know... I'm not really eating in restaurants. I'll pick something up. Uh, I'll hang out with people. But if it's going to be a large crowd and indoors, I'm like, yeah, it won't. I still am not at that point. That, that for me isn't pandemic related. That's just me being a total introvert. <laughs> like, usually when I finish working by the end of the day, I'm just fucking exhausted. Sure. Like, I, I don't have energy to, to be social. So you know, I guess I could kind of hang my hat on, like, I can be like, oh, pandemic, I don't want to, you know, but the truth is, like, I'm just tired, and I just want to stare at the wall, and <laughs> everything is hard, and everything is hard, and yeah, I'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure where I land on the introvert to extrovert scale, because I did used to do, like, my evenings used to be a lot of, like, comedy performing, and going out to, like, a bar I after. I don't think that's indicative of someone who's an introvert. I mean, I think I know you know, I, I, I've met a lot of performers who are, I would classify as total introverts and mm -hmm. big stars, you know, a few big stars, but like, you know, even for me, when I was acting, like I was still a total introvert mm -hmm. you know? and now I am. And it's just, you know, I don't know. It's like when I, when I usually when the weekend comes along, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of like recuperate a little bit and, and that's what I do. That makes sense. Um, so because we are new I cut friends, you off, by the way, I cut you, you did. off. You did. You did. You had absolutely cut me I off. Hijacked I'm gonna... your, I hijacked your radio show. It's fine, man. I love it. I love taking the, I love the conversation goes where it goes. But at the same time, I'm going to awkwardly work my way back to my original point. We yeah. only became friends in the last couple of years. I didn't know you, like maybe just last year. And, and I, I reached out to you. You I, did. I, you reached out to me. I was like, I, I said, I read your script and I loved it. And I was like, I have to reach out to this guy. I hope he responds. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like I got shunned on and you did respond. And we had a little kind of Zoom date and it was really cute. And Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. Um, yeah, I just flowered you with compliments the whole time. And you were like, who are you? I've never read your stuff. <laughs> I hadn't at that point. I have now, which we will get into. But the question that I want to ask based on this is since we have only known each other in pandemic and kind of relatively post-pandemic times, how is this Kevin, the Kevin that I know, how if how is he different than the Kevin I would have met maybe, you know, 2018, 2019? How have you changed? How have you grown? Have you changed in the last three years? That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, my life kind of totally blew up right when the pandemic started. I was, <laughs> is this going to turn into a sob story about it's, anxiety? <laughs> it's up to you, man. I was in a really long relationship for a while and then mm -hmm. that ended amicably. And, and I kind of was, for a year, I was living out of a suitcase kind of floating around. Mm -hmm. And I lived like, I would say seven or eight different places in the span of a year. It was not with cat, by the way. I have a and cat. <laughs> and this was during the this was during the pandemic. This was like 2020. Pandemic, yeah, yeah. And I lived up north. I lived on you know friends' guest rooms. I lived in my cousin's kind of garage studio thing, and and I had my cat with me. And then 
you know, fortunately I found a place to settle down mm-hmm. a year ago, but it was, it was pretty wild. I mean, it, it made me, it, everything was definitely on the table at that point in time. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know where the business was going. I didn't know where my life was going. Um, you know, if you, you know, Colors was actually a script that was supposed to go out in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So that everything kind of got put on hold because the producers were working on another project that they were filming at the start of the pandemic. And so all their attention was kind of going into that at the time. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the projects that were about, so they were, fi- they were figuring out how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. how do we make a movie in the pandemic? So everything was kind of put on hold for me. And I, I didn't quite know what was in store. And then I just stuck with it. And I, I kept on writing and, and you know, during all this. And, you know, as far as me being a different person, I mean, I, I hope that I'm a more compassionate person. Um more patient, more, maybe a better writer. Probably not. I don't <laughs> well, I have no way of knowing because if this group was supposed to go out in 2020 and it's the only thing I've read of yours. I don't know what we've done in the last two and a half years. I don't know if you've gotten any better. <laughs> I don't know either. We'll find out. We'll find out. I'll let you be the judge. I'll, se- I'll send you everything. Yeah, and absolutely. We I should definitely, I would love that. You can write an official tweet saying, am I, Kevin Sheridan is better? Or, or not. not. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let the world know. Um, I do want to talk more about the script and writing and all that, but there are, and, and, and the acting career too. I want to get into all of that, but I think there's something more important that we have to talk about first that I saw on your IMDb page, on your trivia, according to your IMDb, you competed in the junior Olympics for volleyball, winning gold in 96, silver in 95 and 97, bronze in 2000. Is this accurate? Yes. Yeah. Why is that not what the information that you lead with when you introduce yourself to people? If I won gold medals in anything, I would wear them everywhere. I was I was actually going to wear the medals for the interview and just start off with that. <laughs> no, I was I was decent. I was good until everyone got taller. And then once everyone <laughs> got taller, or, or at least to say that all the tall people got their coordination, then it was done. Mm, okay. I, I had kind of a, a good, a good, uh, a good little career until about 15, 16. Mm. Okay. Well, that's still, so you peaked early. I peaked early in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> and hopefully I'm coming back right now. Was this indoor volleyball? Was this beach volleyball? Both. So I played both. Like I, I, oh. started, playing, I started playing young as a kid and it was, you know, my favorite thing to do. And, and uh, you know, we, I remember like when we were 14, we, we went down to this tournament and we played against Puerto Rico and we beat him in the finals and that was a big deal. Mm. And I, you know, I thought like, you know, I always thought that I was going to play in college or something like that. But, you know, when everyone else who was six foot seven, six foot eight, <laughs> kind of got all the skills that I had already, it was done. So I had to transition. Well, you've, you seem to have transitioned pretty well. You moved on from that into uh obviously now a writer but before you were writing you were acting and you started pretty young how old old are you how old were you when you first like started pursuing acting so i did my first i did the first job when i was in eighth grade and that was a pilot Mm -hmm. and then it didn't go it was really an amazing experience like it was this it was the producers who did my so-called life Mm. it was like kind of one of those magical things that like you don't get that often Mm. and uh I did. I went to high school. I went to an all boys Catholic school. And I remember. Oh, you Catholic? 
I am. Or race raised that way? Uh, same here. Yeah. 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 All right. Right. I wasn't on. confirmed. I wasn't confirmed. Oh, I was. I was confirmed. So in your face. Yeah, in my face. In my face. <laughs> um, I was playing freshman football. My mom picked me up for. She came by afterwards. She's like, "You want to go on an audition?" And you know, up until then, it was kind of like it was something I did on the side, mm-hmm. kind of best way to describe it. I mean, I was like, I lived in LA, and and it was something I enjoyed. Like, I was definitely a kid who loved movies and loved like different movies you know like I was I was the kid in third grade watching my left foot you know (laughs) something that like I shouldn't be watching sure um and then so I had an audition in my my freshman year high school and that turned out to be a show that I did for like a year and a half with Dan Aykroyd Mm. it was a sitcom and that was in New York oh wow and then once that stopped, I, once that finished, I, I stopped for a while and got back into it in college, and, you know, just to make some money. And, and I kept on doing it <laughs> well, about five years ago when I, when I, I, I stopped, I, I was done. I retired. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that, but what, what I think I want to talk about one of your, one of your roles before we get into the stopping of it. Yeah. Um, Cause I've, I obviously, I'm sure I saw you in a bunch of things, but the credit that stands out to me just because I'm a big fan of it is Veronica Mars. Yeah. And you um, did a few episodes of that. They brought you back for the, for the movie. Um, uh-huh. Did you have any like way of knowing at the time or did you feel it that like, Oh yeah, we're making something that even though right now, maybe, you know, it was underseen in its time, but did you feel like, did you have any idea that what kind of imprint it would leave and, you know, that role would recur and have that kind of impact? No, I knew, I knew that Kristen Bell was a star mm-hmm. and I knew like, not only was she like incredibly gifted, but she was an amazing human being too. So I just knew that things were going to work out for her, but honestly, like I was in college at the time. So I, I, I kind of couldn't really pay attention. Like I wasn't really, hmm. didn't really know um I had other focuses is what I'm trying to say like I had to like you know get ready for finals and this sure. and that so I wasn't really like going oh wow this show is going to be a huge cult phenomenon and you know I knew the writing was incredibly good mm-hmm. I was smart enough to recognize that I knew all the people on the show were extremely talented but I, I didn't think that it would have the, the life that it did afterwards no is it weird for you to talk about acting now because it just I, I it's something you said you left behind is it yeah is it uncomfortable or do you or is this part of your life that you don't mind talking it's about? always I was always really shy you know like I mean the, the whenever the few times I would ever get recognized I would I would freeze like I would mm-hmm. literally freeze I, I wouldn't know how to respond it would make me feel really really uncomfortable hmm. even when I was a kid so um yeah I was never that person that was like, you know, I, I can't wait to get in front of the camera. Like, I love the spotlight, the spotlight. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do an interview. I was always very kind of reticent to participate. Are you so, nervous now doing this podcast in front of the millions and millions of listeners? I just get lost in your eyes and I feel. <laughs> this is the flirtiest in- interview so far. Is it? Which, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I'm always a little nervous, but at the moment I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, hanging. good. I'm trying to make you as comfortable as I can. Um, so obviously like, yeah, it sounds like you were pretty uncomfortable with just the whole being in front of the camera thing. So it makes sense that you decided to transition to something else and you transitioned to writing. When did you decide that? And like, um, yeah, what was that process like? Well, stepping away from written, acting? And So I had written a feature in college that actually we ended up making. 
Um, oh. It was an incredible experience. Um, and I sold a pilot right after that uh, that I co-wrote. And, you know, from my vantage point, the business was very easy. I was like, what's everything planning about? <laughs> make a movie just sell a pilot like you're gonna be okay you know i'm getting the vibe that like yeah it is kind of funny like it's not to like i'm sure you have you've had struggles and things are difficult they are for everybody but it's just funny that you're like oh yeah i needed extra money so it's just like you know fuck it i'll act a little bit no, more. No, no, like you know, was, <laughs> you know what i mean like, i don't get that impression at all it's always <laughs> a grind. i mean sure. like it can sound like it's easy but it's it's everything has been hard like yeah. nothing is, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many auditions I've gone on that I've bombed. I mean, like slogging or, you know, like it's, I, I'm far from, uh, you know, instant success story. Not that sure. any sort of success right now. No. Oh, come on. Uh, you've been on a bunch of stuff. You're on the blacklist right now. We can, we can start talking success. Yeah. We can, we can start saying that. Yeah. Um, so how so were those like the first things that you wrote that were getting attention were you like you know straight out the gate like like when did reps come along when did you start getting attention for these things yeah, so I, I wrote a feature and it was my first feature and, and I uh I actually um I gave it to a guy a director who's super talented who's crushing it in life his name is Peter Page he he was on uh, Queers Folk he he created the Fosters and he loved it. And so we put that together and, and made it. And then from that, I got an agent at the time. And, you know, I sold my first pilot. But then, you know, after that, I worked on a couple of things that didn't sell. Mm -hmm. And writing kind of took a backseat to acting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until about, I would say, five, six years ago where I was like, you know what? Like, um, I kind of had one of those moments where I was, I was weighing where my life was going to go and where I could bleed for stuff that was most meaningful for me because mm -hmm. none of it's easy like every time I sit down and write like it's not easy like, agreed sure the hardest fucking thing I've ever done you know and same with acting acting was always very hard for me and I, I didn't I didn't uh I can't say that I loved it I wasn't getting the juice back in a way mm. you know that some people do mm-hmm and at least with writing, I could tell stories that I was personally attached to. So that's mm -hmm. what made the shift. I went, okay, well, I, I here's two things I can bleed for and kind of dedicate my life to. At least with writing, I can bleed for something that I, you know, has deep, deep meaning for me. Mm -hmm. With acting, you rarely get that chance. You know, like there was projects that I got to act on that were meaningful and impactful, but there were a lot that weren't. You know, sure. and with writing, I can go, okay, yes, I'm doing this. I'll, I, I will wake up every day and, and, and force myself to sit down and write and bleed on the keys for this. And so that, that, that was the shift for me. I, that totally makes sense. So let's start talking into you've, you know, at this point, you've written a few things, some have gone, some haven't you, um, um, now but then you write colors of authority 2020 ish yeah. and it starts um uh going out it gets optioned it's all very exciting but no no no. so so what happened i'll, I'll, I'll even dial you back before that yeah dial me back this is kind of a funny story so our mutual manager john zazerny mm -hmm. has a meeting shout out shout out who actually just called me during this and i had to send him the voice message <laughs> fuck that guy he sent <laughs> um he has a meeting gets canceled so he pulls over to a taco truck to get lunch mm -hmm. 
The producer, Trevor White, has a meeting, gets canceled. He pulls over at the same taco truck. They know each other. They start chatting. John's walking away and Trevor goes, hey, by the way, I got this project. I need a writer who's good at kind of getting into worlds. Do you have anyone like that? And mm -hmm. he says, Brian Arnold. And no, <laughs> And, uh, no, John doesn't pitch me for anything. No, no, no. He says, yeah, I got a writer. Kevin, so I met with Trevor. Trevor pitched me the idea that for colors and, and mm -hmm. um, that happened from there. So basically it was two failed meetings in a taco truck that led me to get this project. <laughs> and since then, even weirder, you know, since then I, you know, I've, I'm on my third or fourth project with Star Thrower. So it's oh, wow. a huge turn in my life. It's nice when you find that company or a couple of companies or whatever that you kind of connect with in that way. And like, we get each other yeah. and like, yeah, I, I've, I felt very, I haven't had many things like I have a couple of things in various stages of development, but like it's, it's, you see, you hear the horror stories from writers who are like, oh yeah, I never, you know, I, I sold it and then I never was heard from again or never talked to them again and those kind of things. And once in a while you kind of hit the jackpot of like oh no i like these people and they like me and we're gonna keep doing this thing and it feels yeah. really nice yeah the biggest revelation for me was i remember i was working with i co-wrote something with a very very talented ian shore and i was working on it with john and ian and and john and ian have this incredible rapport i mean it's almost like they're working from the same brain <laughs> i remember watching them like work through a problem together and going oh my god i want that with someone Mm. like that not only are they both brilliant and smart but they do something and that's they speak the same creative language right and I think that's like a really not it's not talked about a lot like I mm -hmm. think we all have our own creative languages or we all approach stories from a different place and John and Ian they, they approach stories from a very similar place and when I met up with Trevor and we started working together like immediately. I was like, oh my God, I, I found my, my, you know, a John. <laughs> yeah. Research. Yeah. Like not only does Trevor, I mean, he's so, so smart. Trevor White, who's one of the producers, mm -hmm. colors, he's so, so smart and he's such a hard worker, but he, we also speak the same creative language. So, like, mm -hmm. he would say something like, you know, he'd start off with something and I'd go, oh, but this and that. And it was cool. And there's energy there because you're kind of working on this really tight, electrical current do you know what i'm saying yeah. no i totally do i totally do it's such a i i i would say like my old roommate is also a writer and he and i would work out stuff together in that same way i feel like yeah. and because he, he and i both write similar genres similar sensibilities i think and yeah, yeah it's night nice, it's rare to find that because a lot of times when you're talking about a script it sounds like you're trying to describe a dream to somebody and nobody wants to hear that shit. And once in a while, there's somebody who's like, dude, same fucking dream. And it's, and it's cool. Yeah, because they're, they're coming from it at the same place. And it's it's a really rare, precious thing to, to find. So I think if anyone takes anything from this podcast, it's that, you know. They won't. Be, they won't. They won't. <laughs> but if they no, do. If anyone, if they do, it's it's to kind of look for the people who are speaking the same creative language. Who is mm -hmm. those are the people that I think you you want to work with because they're 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 going for the same goals. Absolutely. Um, so this script that you worked on that you found with Star Thrower ends up on the blacklist on the morning of the blacklist announcements. Did you? 
it's a, it's an interesting journey to get to this point because it's been out it had been out there for a little bit it was already optioned how like did you expect to end up on the blacklist or was that a surprise to you it was a surprise it was genuinely I, I i thought i had a chance because i had been taking some meetings with people who had read it mm -hmm. they spoke very highly but I, I i thought i would you know not really yeah because <laughs> i because it, it didn't really go out why you know right. it didn't really it wasn't like you know sent to a bunch of producers and then everyone's reading it like there's already producers attached why right they, that's know? why i'm curious about it because it's a, it sounds like they just used that as a sample i guess just to like for meetings and stuff and then they just people remembered it and loved it which has got to be great that's a great feeling to you know you must be have a high batting average on this script yeah i mean but to be honest like so here's another thing that i wanted to talk about like mm. my it shouldn't be just my name on the script <laughs> you know everyone like there's this misconception that the writer goes off and does a brilliant script and you know there's a few notes and that and then they deserve all the credit like that's such bullshit mm. like i got trevor white put so much of his own brilliance into this thing tim white you know alan mandelbaum kay foster you know uh, Ian Shore gave me amazing notes. Peter Gamble gave me amazing notes. Like, you know, if if anything, it should be, you know, Kevin Sheridan and and Trevor White and Andrew Heckler here, you know, because Andrew Heckler came in and he he gave some notes that were so brilliant. So it's like, you know, if I was left in my own devices, this would be a good script, you mm -hmm. know, but it wouldn't be as good as it is. So it's like also surrounding yourself with people who who help foster something like this is so important because mm -hmm. you, you ain't doing it on your own you know you really are at least i'm not i'm not that talented but i got lucky you know i got lucky yeah. to work with trevor i got lucky to work with andrew heckler you know and all those guys they just elevated it in ways that like i couldn't have you know by myself i think that's important it's a good thing to talk about is like having that kind of trustworthy either collaborators or community of some yeah. kind yes. um obviously like john and uh i also have kate as one of my managers as well at bellevue yeah. and then my agents at apa like i i trust them implicitly but i also before i even get to them i have the writers group that i like you know always check in with and like yeah the idea of just like i can form this completely on my own it, it is unfair it is like a little bit mm -hmm. of you know, I, none of my scripts would be as good without my writer's group and then without my reps and then without the producers who eventually look at it and all and that. It's hugely important. And it's hard to create. Like you kind of create this like nucleus of people around you who, who will make you better. And I remember when I first met with John before I signed with him, I was like, this guy's incredibly brilliant and more so in ways that I am really stupid. Y yes. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he was really, I, I knew that he was really, really smart in ways that I was very deficient and and that's what was something that was so you know to me like I was like oh I gotta I gotta go with this guy mm -hmm. you know? I think that's smart yeah because I I've I had the same thoughts and I think I'm still in the mode of um you know uh because John is very much I want to ask you about this with your writing process because John is very heavy on he's an out he wants you to outline he wants to you know read every outline wants to work the whole thing with you and I love I support that I think that's great I've never been a big outliner. And so it's, the adjustment has been, has been a little tough for me. Was that, have you always been an outliner? Were you able to, or did you adjust to John's process or what was that like for you? I always outline, but it's funny. Like I just turned in an outline 
a month and a half ago, that was probably 60 pages long. <laughs> yeah. And for me, you know, I spend a lot of time. So if you look at a script like a chair, right? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Right? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, sit, I, I don't, I can't afford just, chairs. I just sit on a bunch of scripts. A piece of furniture, right? With yeah. legs and a base and a back. Yeah. You know, that, that to me, like, is my outline. And I want to make sure that outline is so solid before I really go in and do all, and, and, and take my chisel and my little carving knife and really craft something beautiful. Because if say that that leg in the back is not working, I just wasted so much fucking blood trying to make this leg so beautiful. I'd rather just spend all that time crafting before I go, I mean, doing my outline before I start really bleeding for it does that make sense it does make sense but i will i do want to say it doesn't sound like you're very good at making furniture if you're bleeding all the time like maybe maybe be a little bit more careful uh when you're with, with the chisel they call this episode there will be blood <laughs> no it's just it, it saves me a lot of time in the long run i think mm -hmm. you know so for me it's like i much it's much easier for me to cut move around make changes in outline form that it is for me to make changes in script form because I'm like fuck god that ending to that scene I spent so much time on I crafted the the, the, the perfect kind of cut of whatever uh, mm -hmm. exit that is so beautifully melded and now I gotta let that go you know yeah so it's just it's easier for me to to make those bigger changes in in outline form as opposed to in script that makes sense. Uh, I, I wish we'd talk more about that, but we, we, I want to get some other stuff here. Um, yeah. So this Colors of Authority, based yeah. on a true story, yeah. um, how much research was involved? For, did you, you know, did Sarthor have to get the life rights or uh, because it was, you know, public knowledge in the news or you just free to write it? So Sarthor already had a life rights. And when I got the job, I, I met up with James and immediately handed me this hard drive with like thousands of pages of legal Dang. documents, yeah. FBI document. I mean, every kind of document under the sun. And I went, oh shit, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and, you know, I, I I probably spent about four months just researching everything and trying to figure it out because mm -hmm. I didn't know how to tell this story. I mean, I had yeah. an idea, but like in truth between you and me, like I kind of was like, I'm going to try, you know, yeah. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to try really hard. And it took a while for us to figure it out, but we did it, mm -hmm. you know, I had faith. I had faith in Trevor and I had faith in, and James was such an amazing resource. James, James Sexton is a guy whose story is based off of, mm -hmm. you know, every time I called, he answered. Anytime I had a question, he was there. So like, again, he's another person that like, if I didn't have James Sexton, this script wouldn't be on the blacklist. It just sure. it, it wouldn't, you know, and, you know, I did ride-alongs. I had been through a prison. I met tons of deputies and sheriffs in the interview process. And I just tried to really sink myself into that world because to me, it's like, you know, Mark Bull does this really well. He did this so well in Zero Dark Thirty where it's like, there's a, the story's just elevated in a certain way when there's like a level of authenticity to it that's like so tangible and real. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to do. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I wanted to kind of like, do what Mark Bull did with the Zero Dark Thirty. I, you definitely did. It it does the I I mentioned this in text to you, but I wanted to get into it more here. Like I when I read the script, I had that a feeling that I rarely get. First of all, obviously it's a great script, um, but I had that feeling of of 
I don't know if I could do this. You know what I mean? Like, of just like, I, I know what I like. To I have write. that feeling before I try to write anything. It's like, <laughs> like I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to try and I'm going to say a prayer. And then if it works out, if, it, if I fail, I'll find another career. There's always <laughs> massive amounts of fear. And I don't know if I can do this. I, I get that. But like, at the same time, like, I, it's just because like, we work in completely different genres, or at least for this script in particular. Yeah. And so it was just that, like, it's so real, it's raw, it's emotional, it's, it's, it's the balancing act you pull off with it is, is very impressive. And I just like, it had me doubting myself a little bit of like, am I ever going to get to the point of this kind of script? So it's, it's very impressive and very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, you deserve to be on the blacklist. I look forward to it getting made. That's, you know, big congrats to you. Oh, that's very kind. And yes, you could write something like this. How can it work? <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Um, is this tone, this kind of grounded thriller drama, is would you say that's your preferred genre to work in? Or is this like, yeah, do you bounce around? You know, like, I, even when I met with John and I met with Trevor, like, I always kind of said that I want to write films like The King's Speech and The Imitation Game and American mm. Beauty and you know, with that said, like, I have a pilot that's a single camera comedy and, you know, like, it's, it's kind of what, whatever I can do and that I feel like I can put my heart and soul into it, I'll do it, whether that's a comedy or a musical or whatever, but, you know, as a kind of like, overall, this is the type of writer I am, probably, you know, to to very degrees, different shades, I think, you know, but if I... I think subconsciously we all try to write the movies that really affected us. Sure. You know, so like recreate that for other people. So, you know, Shawshank deeply moved me. So do Mm -hmm. I want to write a Shawshank? Of course I do, you know, Mm -hmm. network being there, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all those films were like films that like, you know, when I saw them, I was vibrating afterwards with like energy, like, Oh my God, like it was the best feeling in the world. Like I want to make a movie like being there. I want to make a movie like mm-hmm. at work. I want to make a movie like Michael Clayton or the insider, you know, you're just naming movies that I love. We need to hang out like yeah. more. You know what I'm saying? You know, so like, <laughs> I do consciously like we're fucking probably ripping from them too. You know, like, oh, absolutely. We are totally stealing shit and putting it in there. And like, we don't even know we're doing it because we just love those movies, like kind of got into our DNA. Yeah, what's that f- quote? Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Like it's just, Probably, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like you could see that with oh god, what was I don't know. Never mind. I was going to cite some movie recently that I was like, oh my god, they took this and that and that and this. And isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, I think we're all products of the things that we love. Like whenever I read, you know, whenever a writer talks about like an upcoming writer is like, how do I know somebody's not going to steal my thing? I'm like, you stole. Everybody steals. Like who, like, yeah. you got to get over that. And like everybody, every, there's no original ideas anymore. If there ever were, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of how you write it and how you make it work. Yeah. Um. Okay. We only have about three and a half minutes before Zoom cuts us off. So I want to give you this moment to- Did you write today? Did you write already today? Um, I'm going to give you this moment. So uh, <laughs> I, I wrote these questions today. Uh, um, we okay. call Sean Should I call him back on the on the podcast and just- I do, I, I do want to ask him to be on the pod soon, but I'm scared of, you know, him like confronting me about how much or how little I'm writing in day to day. So with about three minutes left, do you have anything that you want to plug and or let people know where to follow you? Oh my God. No, 
No, I got nothing to plug. I want to plug your podcast. <laughs> Great. People listening to 39 Minute Conversations, please it's listen to 39 Minute, minute Conversations. Yeah, tell your friends. That's what I want to plug. And But you are on social media and places, right? Can people follow you yeah. on yeah, Twitter? I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter. I'm not that active on Instagram, but you can find me there somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know my handle names. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I'll put it, I'll put them in the description. I'll figure them out. Here's an interesting thing. So yeah. if you want to know how I signed with John. Sure. So I uh, was looking for, you know, I was getting back into writing and I was looking for management and a friend of mine was shitting on the blacklist as like a hosting site, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a scam, yada, yada, yada. And they give you a review and it's all, you know, a, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I did it because I needed notes and I didn't <laughs> have my writer's friends. Mm -hmm got good notes and I didn't know that they sent out, they rate the scripts and they send it out to managers and producers and stuff like that. Sure, what a getting, scam. Yeah, I started getting calls. <laughs> I was like, I got one of the calls from John. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he, he, he clicked on my script was because I had no bio, I had no <laughs> log line. And he was like, this fucking asshole to not include a log line, a bio. <laughs> anything like just it was just the name of the script my name and that like no contact info I, I don't think I didn't put any con because I didn't think that people contacted you so I had no sure but it was he was more intrigued by my lack of disrespect <laughs> the process than probably by the actual title of the script which is all he had to work on oh that's so funny man um okay about a minute left so I do want to get to know you on a deeper level um so in that in this gonna, like, that we have when we die? are we gonna get existential is that sometimes case? we do sometimes we do um but the first thing that i want to ask um again when i was we've talked a little bit about this but when i was perusing your imdb imdb yeah. i saw that someone put you on this public list you know you can add actors and stuff to lists and it was the list was called people who should act again and Stop. so yep you're on that you're on a list called Stop. people who should act again so I asked for that person, what would it take to get you in front of a camera again? I don't know, man. I'm so far removed from it. <laughs> I was actually, so Trevor, who, who we were having a meeting and, and it was, he's doing, he was doing King Richard at the time. That was a project that was during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. He asked me if I wanted to act in it. I'll never forget this moment. He asked me, he's like, hey, do you want to <laughs> And I was like, and was, here's a movie with Will Smith. And I, I, I read the script and it was fucking brilliant. And I said, no, because I could feel the sweat beating down my back. And oh, wow. It was at that moment that I knew I was done. Wow. I knew I was done. So you, you, you said it. What happens after, uh, after we die? Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay too. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.